This is ContraZoom, a live in limbo production. This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm Dakota Arsenal, and as promised after the TIFF 2018 preview, uh, I would have Mahek back on this show to talk about every movie that she saw. So welcome back, Mahek Saeed. Thanks so much. So we're recording this, uh, I guess, what is this, two weeks after TIFF ended, a week and a half after TIFF ended? Yeah, it's about, it's two weeks now. It's officially two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So have you recovered yet or are you still feeling the the hangover of being at all the movies all the time? I honestly don't think I can ever recover. It's like by the time the next TIFF starts is when I'm finally over it kind of thing. So it's just a cyclical cycle. Like it's just, it's cyclical for me, you know? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I have had a little time to breathe for sure and kind of, kind of think about some of the movies that I've seen, which is really good. All right. Uh, you sent me a giant list of movies that you saw. I'm, I can't even, do you know how many of this is? I think so. I, I think I'm, I'm at 26. I, I was like trying to recount and see if I missed anything like, you know, like if there are any other movies, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm at 26 for okay. sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that kind of crazy where, you know, a movie takes up what, anywhere from 90 minutes to three hours of your time. And so you obviously have a very intimate experience with it. And at the end of it, you can be like, well, you know, I might have completely forgotten about a two and a half hour chunk of my week. Yeah, it's kind of wild, especially when you consider like at TIFF, the time you spend um, in rush lines and, you know, like running around getting your tickets and like organizing your schedule and stuff. And like, it's such a like, for me, it's 90% of the time, a very well thought out process. Uh, it's like, especially this year, I think a, a, a lot of things worked out for me, which was really nice. Um, but we like, I don't know, like this year, like somehow it just, there was a blur. There's always some sort of blur that occurs at, at, at a certain point in the festival. And then you just kind of, you kind of forget, which is so strange, but I, I, I really tried to like think it over. And I was like, I think the list I sent you is complete and whole. And I can't recall um, if I did see a 27th movie and that makes me feel pretty confident in myself at this point. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking back at, uh, the last episode that we did together in the preview and I, I'm in the post, I put down all the movies we talked about in depth. We mentioned a few other titles, but all the main ones and on your list, uh, you didn't really see a bunch of these. You definitely saw some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and you seem to have seen a lot more lower profile movies where I had to look up. I was like, I've never even heard of this movie before. <laughs> How did you go about picking and choosing what you wanted to see? Was it a mere availability or were these ones that once you found out about them, you added them to your must see list? Yeah. So I, um, so when I look back at the last episode that we recorded, um, I definitely had like a lot of like high, kind of high profile films on my list. And I think 
in the case of Halloween specifically, which I actually did get a ticket to. I had a ticket to the world premiere. I was supposed to go, but then it was my friend's baby shower and they kind of do, they kind of did like a big party afterwards. So I was like, okay, friendship or Jamie Lee Curtis. (laughs) And I had to pick friendship in that specific situation. So there were a few, um, a few changes to my original program. And the way I kind of approach it is, I think my general rule of thumb for the most part is if a movie is coming out within a month of TIFF happening, I try and not go and see it at the festival because I just don't feel like I will get enough value out of that when I know, you know, it's coming. It's not necessarily a priority. There are so many other films out there which get screened at the festival every year that you don't even know if they're going to get distribution or if, you know, in the case of foreign language films, if they'll ever get played in Toronto again. So I just felt like, okay, this year I'm going to try and focus a little more on those titles rather than, you know, some of the big name films. But with that said, I did end up seeing all the like people's choice winners and that kind of thing. So I guess my selection worked out really nicely. Um, and then in some situations, it's just kind of, it's kind of luck of the draw. So I had, um, I had gone to Scotiabank theater, I think on my second last day and I had gone there to rush first man. And the staff was like, you know, like you can do it. Absolutely. But we have not let in anyone from rush for any one of the first man screenings that we've had here over the last five days. Wow. And yeah. And so I was like, okay, that doesn't, I don't feel as confident. Um, but they were like, no, you, you know, it's up to you. And then the great thing about the rush line is you can stand in there and then whatever happens happens. And there's always another film you can go see. And so then I was like, okay, let me, let me go, let me go consider something else. And then I found, um, this film called Museo and they were like, yeah, it's gone to rush. And so then I was like, okay, fine. I'll just stand here and wait for it. And then the, the staff gave me, a, the, somebody gave, um, gave a free ticket to the staff to be like, Hey, just give this to someone. So they gave it to me. And then the guy, uh, the, one of the staff members was like, Hey, like you have time before Museo starts. You can actually fit in another film. Mm-hmm. And I have a ticket for another film. I was like, Oh, okay. He's like, yeah, someone just left it with me. So why don't you go see this? Because you have time right now. <laughs> so I was like, All right. So in that case, it was literally like I had gone to line up for first man, like crazy amount of time in advance, like three hours in advance. And in that time frame, I ended up seeing two movies, <laughs> basically. So it's it, it kind of works out that way. And then, you know, you kind of you kind of go along in the festival and you see, you know, what people are saying and you kind of you kind of you kind of change your choices along the way. That's interesting. It's all it's always funny to hear kind of how your system works out. You can plan for the best and do everything in your power to, to see what you want to see, but at the end of the day, it really is a bit of a crapshoot. Mm-hmm. For sure. And like it's just impossible to see everything. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say that exactly because you do hear of people seeing like 46 movies and crazy stuff like that. But I would say for the average person, yeah, it's it's unlikely. So you just, you know, you kind of got to take on the adventure and see what happens. So it's funny. Normally when I hear critics talking about their time at film festivals, especially ones like TIFF where there's so much that needs to be seen, by the end of the week, they're like, I 
probably wouldn't be able to tell you what was good or bad about half of the movies. I barely remember watching them. I'll need to rewatch them. Do you find that experience with yourself? Where if I were to pick out a random movie from your list that you sent me and be like, tell me what was great about this movie. Would you be able to do that? Yeah, I can absolutely do that because this time around, um, I was very fortunate in that I would say a good 75% of the films that I saw were very good. Um, there was only a small chunk of them where for the most part, they were okay. Some were just not in my kind of, you know, they, they didn't really hit me the way they, they might've hit other people or, you know, I didn't connect to them, um, emotionally or anything like that. But, um, I think this time, like I, I actually had tickets ahead of time in, in most situations, or if I did rush, it was only like in a, in a kind of a few instances. So I actually got to really think out what I was seeing, um, and, you know, kind of think, kind of meditate on it a little bit after each film. Um, which is good. It's nice to know that I can actually, apart from having some struggles in recounting what I saw, <laughs> um, to actually know things about them. Um, I could easily, I could probably tell you, I'm pretty confident about that. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, later in this show, we're going to talk about the, the TIFF award-winning films. But mm. if you want to start singling out some ones that you thought were your favorites, either ones you had high expectations going into and it met them, or ones that maybe surprised you where you either didn't know anything about it or you're just like, oh, well, I hope this one's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep my comments aside for the People's Choice winners because um, I did see all three of them. And now that I'm looking at my list, that is that is one. Those are one of the movies I missed. You did. Roma, yes, Roma is not listed. So on it, here. It, it. Yeah, Roma is not listed on here. So there, I did see 27 movies. <laughs> wow. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna save my comments about those about the three People's Choice uh, winners um, for later on. But just looking at um, some of the other films that I did manage to catch during the festival. Um. So I really, and it's kind of weird, like I, when I first watched it, I was like, yeah, it was fine. But in retrospect, I think there was a lot more that I liked about the very first movie that I saw at the festival, um, which is uh, Teen Spirit, directed by Max Minghella, who people know from The Handmaid's Tale. He's, uh, he's one of the leads on that show. He was in The Social Network. And uh, he directed this film, which is about a teenage girl in the UK uh, who, you know, she it's just her and her mom living in this small island and she doesn't have like a big social life. And she's just kind of keeps to herself. She's pretty focused on on, you know, her her like just going to school and then uh, helping provide for her family. Um, But she is a very talented singer played by Elle Fanning, and she ends up entering this kind of kind of teen American Idol-esque show and progresses through the show. And, you know, she picks up this really interesting mentor along the way. And it's a pretty, it's a pretty basic film or basic plot that we've kind of encountered many, many times before. But what struck me about it is the visual aesthetic and the, the soundtrack specifically. Um, the, uh, the cinematography in that film is just so, so beautiful. And it kind of adds this really nice character to a story that we've seen before. Um, I actually was, I actually tweeted out about the, about the cinematographer of that film, who is a female, which is awesome. 
Um, and kind of a big part, you know, I was trying to see like who, what female creators were out there and kind of doing some really interesting things at the festival and the cinematographer, Autumn Durald, uh, she did a really, really interesting job. And I think that was something that a lot of people at the Q and a were asking questions about because it was the world premiere of the film, which was really cool to see. Um, and it, it actually got picked up for distribution just two, three days afterwards, which is really exciting. Another film that I really enjoyed is Hotel Mumbai. So that is uh, a film that recounts the terrorist attacks that occurred in Mumbai. I think this was in 2008 or 2009. And um, Dave Patel plays one of the employees who, who works at the hotel to help all the guests out and kind of help rescue them. Uh, we also see Jason Isaacs is in that movie, uh, Army Hammer is in that movie, and a very famous uh, actor named Anupam Kher, who comes from Bollywood, but he's done a lot of Western films as well. He plays um, the head chef who actually kind of helped rally all the surviving guests at this hotel um, and tried to rescue them along the way. And that film is it's incredibly brutal it is very very violent um it doesn't shy away from that aspect of it and there were a lot of a lot of casualties um that night uh in in mumbai and at that hotel um but it definitely it kind of it kind of takes some some material that we've seen about South Asian culture and, you know, it, it provides a new lens in certain, certain areas. So I guess for me, I, I really connected with, um, with two scenes in particular, um, my family Sikh and Dave Patel's character is Sikh in the film. And there's this one part where one of the hotel guests, like she, she kind of, she kind of looks at Dave Patel's character who was wearing a turban and starts to kind of, um, you know, stereotype him a little bit and, and throw, throws these, uh, these kind of racially charged comments towards him. And, you know, in regards to the attack and instead of like, instead of just being argumentative, he like his character goes to this woman and explains to her what his, what his turban means and you know, what it represents in Sikhism, which is like, it was, is a really beautiful thing. Cause we actually don't see a lot about Sikhism um, in relation to this conversation scene on screen. And like that kind of brought a little bit of tears to my eyes because you know, they, they, they just treated it very respectfully and then later on, he uh, actually takes his turban off um, to help and like use the fabric to help another guest like kind of bind a wound. So that th there was just some images in that film that, yeah, there were, there were some really violent ones, but there were also some really culturally um, conscious ones that really kind of touched my soul. Um, and I, I think it was a really well executed film um, that kind of has you on the edge of your seat. It will bring some tears and it will bring you a lot of shock factor as well. Um, and then I don't know, there's just so many great films here. I saw a lot of foreign language films that I really enjoyed this year. Um, I saw Rafiki, which is kind of the big, one of the big, uh, big foreign language films coming out of the festival. It actually premiered at Cannes and, uh, it came to TIFF. It had a huge, uh, huge following during the festival. And what's really interesting about this movie is that it's a Kenyan film and it actually, was banned in Kenya because it's a story about uh, a lesbian couple. And in Kenya, I guess, I think um, gay marriages and to be an LGBTQ individual 
is illegal according to their law, their laws. And so they won't screen films about LGBTQ communities. Um, so the director of the film actually took it to court because she said, you know, this film is representative of people in our country. And she wanted to uh, submit her film for consideration as the official Oscar um, uh, submission. Mm-hmm. And she ended up like, taking it to court and they ultimately approved it. And she has been able to screen the film for seven days in Kenya, um, which is, it, it's a huge triumph. And she actually was also able to screen it in France over across 80 cinemas, which is a big deal for, for a film out of Kenya. You don't really see that kind of opening happen in foreign countries. Um, so that was really well done, a really beautiful story, colorful. And, you know, it, it brings you, a lens into local life, which I don't think people get to see very often. Um, and you just get to follow these two young girls who, um, who are finding themselves and discovering love for the first time. And that's a really beautiful thing. Wow. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. I know it's been talked about for years how Nollywood, especially Nigeria has been pumping out a lot of movies, but, whether it's movies from Nigeria or or Kenya or anywhere else in Africa, they rarely make their way outside of the continent. So it'd be nice if we we get like a proper big foreign film from from that part of the world. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think we're going to see some kind of pop up over the next few months. I guess in Toronto specifically, we are lucky to to have access to those kind of movies. Um, one film that I didn't get to see, and I I tried, I think maybe three times uh, during the festival to get into this film, but I just it never worked out. Um, is a South Korean film called Burning, uh, starring Steve Yun from The Walking Dead. And I've heard it's a beautifully crafted film and it's very long, but really, really intriguing and interesting. So um, that's definitely something that's on my list in the coming weeks. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Um, Let's see. Looking at ones that we had talked about in the um, other episode, Mm -hmm. uh, movies like Boy Erased and Widows, do you have any thoughts on those ones? Yeah. Um, so boy erased, I thought was, it's a, it's a well done film, like no doubt about it. Um, so Joel Edgerton kind of, he, uh, he directed the film and he stars in it and it's definitely tough subject matter. Um, I, I think, you know, I think it's, uh, it's, it's a story about gay conversion therapy and Lucas Hedges, um, uh, plays the the man who, which the story is actually based upon um and he does a really incredible job in that film and unfortunately lucas hedges had three roles like three films at the festival and he didn't make it to tiff unfortunately but joel edgerton was there and the um the author of the story that boy erased is based on was there and the mother was there uh, for a QA after the screening that i attended and one of the striking things about the movie is, you know, the, the kind of resilience that this child has when he, he's going through this process and, you know, going through this, 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 this sort of education system that's been put in place to try and tell him that he should be something different than who he is. And obviously there are some obstacles along the way, you know, with his classmates, with himself as he's trying to navigate this scenario. Um, but it, it's really, at the end of it, very inspiring to see, you know, how 
how true to himself he stayed, like he was, he managed to stay and that he kind of was able to maintain his identity while he's in these really extenuating, crazy circumstances. And, you know, the, the kind of the, the verbatim that's shared in the film about gay conversion therapy and, you know, how they go about it. It's, it's, to me, it's mind blowing and it's so saddening. And I think it will open up a lot of people's eyes for sure. Um, and one of the touching points is kind of the parents' journey. So Russell Crowe plays the father. Nicole Kidman plays the mother. Both give out, like, really great performances. But um, you kind of see the transformation of the mother in particular and how she approaches this. And um, you, see, you see, you know, how, how love can really, can really guide your decision-making. And so it's, it's a well-done film. Um, I think... I'll be interested to see how it plays out over the next few months, because again, when, you know, you're looking at Lucas Hedges against himself in other films, a lot of people were saying that his other film, Ben is back has a really, really incredible performance from him, um, which I didn't get to see. There were very limited screenings of that movie and it comes out in December. So that'll be, that'll be something to kind of compare and keep an eye out on. Um, Nicole Kidman possibly could get a nomination from this. She has one particular scene, which you know, cause people to applaud, uh, during the film. So, you know, that's like the real kind of winner. Um, and, um, as for, sorry, what was the other film that you asked me about? Widows. That was the other widows. One that we had talked yeah. About. Yeah. 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 So widows, I loved, I, I very much love that movie. It's, it's everything that you would anticipate it to be from Steve McQueen. And, um, it's just, it's so, it's just so well executed. The, the, the casting is incredible. Viola Davis, of course, is amazing, but the, the, the supporting cast is just as strong. Like it's, it, you've got these like four really badass women in this movie and it's not done in a way that like is forced. You actually encounter a lot of complexity to these characters. You see like, you know, their connections, but it's not necessary that they're trying to establish this like, crazy like let's be friends forever kind of scenario um it's definitely about women who are embracing their circumstances and just trying to trying to make the best of the scenario and the strength that comes from that um the cinematography is great there's uh there's this one particular scene that i really enjoyed um and i don't i don't want to spoil it too much but it involves colin farrell and a lot of voiceover and it's just done really really well and there's a nice balance of like some humor, action, drama, and enough space for the performances to breathe while causing the audiences to gasp. Like uh, there was a lot of gasping in that film. Um, and it was, it was, yeah, it was just, it was, it was very, very well done. It was very well received. And I think that's going to be a huge hit come November. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see that. And I could definitely see that being one of the more popular box office films during the holiday season because there isn't usually a ton of, you know, big budget films. You'll get like the one or two. I think we've got like, what is it? The new, um, uh, Harry Potter spinoff. I'm trying to remember what that's called. Uh, um, Fantastic Beast. Fantastic Beast movie. But other than that, I, I don't think there's any other big, big budget movie coming out. So I could see that being one of the bigger ones. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's just, it's just a well executed film, like on every level. So when we're talking about awards, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of heavy stuff going into award season this year. And I think a lot of things that have yet to be unveiled. Um, but 
just given its craft, I would not be surprised if we saw this pop up in the conversation and in some nominations along the way. Interesting. Now, before we take a break, uh, I want to ask if there were any disappointing movies or ones you just didn't really care for. Yeah. Um, so I saw one French film called Jessica forever and it just, it, it's something that did not, it just didn't do like the, it didn't hit for me. Like it, it wasn't something I could connect with easily. Um, it was kind of, you know, there was a little more of an artistic sense to it that I just, I, I didn't quite, uh, latch onto. So that, that wasn't really too great. Um, another film that I really wanted to love, I just couldn't is Maya, uh, which is Mia Hansen loves new film, um, about, a journalist uh, from France who was who has just returned from from a mission overseas, and he's trying to kind of heal himself. And so he goes to India, um, and he moves there for a few months into his mother's old home. And um, you know he falls in love with a with a with a young girl there, and you know kind of kind of heals himself, I guess. And while like I, I appreciate because Mia Hansen Love was at the screening, I think it was the premiere of the film. And so she was she was talking about, you know, how everything about India really inspires her from like the sounds, the sights, um, you know, the, the, the atmosphere of it all. And that's what she really tried to capture in the film. I just felt like there was nothing unique in that sense to me that I saw that I haven't seen in other films before. Um and the the performances were okay. The you know the the story was okay, but it just I I, I hoped that it would be better than what it was. Um, and then I guess Destroyer is another film that I I kind of hoped would be more than what it was. Uh, Nicole Kidman gives this really fantastic performance as um, as a police officer who's kind of revisiting this case and um, seeking vengeance in a sense. Um, and it was fine, but I think for the amount of hype that I heard about it during the festival, I anticipated much more than what it ended up being. Interesting. All right. Yeah, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what this all means going forward. So, uh, TIFF has, in the last decade, really since the existence of it, really proved to be uh, a real breeding ground for future award-winning films, whether it's films that finally are getting North American premieres after being shown at Cannes earlier in the year, or being the world premieres for a lot of really big films. A lot of them have gone on to become not only nominees, but best picture winners. And it really is indicative of successful films there do go on to be successful elsewhere. Uh, but before we kind of get into that, uh, we're going to talk about what the 
uh, award-winning films were. So TIFF doesn't have like a top prize like Cannes does or uh, different ones, whether it be Berlin or, or Sundance, things like that. But they have the People's Choice Award, which means that you can only vote on that movie if you've seen the movie. So you can't really ballot stuff. And the winner for this year was Green Book, the new Peter Farrelly movie starring Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali, which mm-hmm. you saw. So you saved up all those comments. I'm sure you're bursting at the scenes. <laughs> Tell us why it was deserving to win People's Choice. Yeah, so I actually rushed Green Book, and I ended up getting into the world premiere of that movie, so that was really exciting. Um, I love Mahershala Ali. I'm a big fan of his. And uh, and Viggo Mortensen, too, I got to say, like, that was a Lord of the Rings dream come true to kind of just see him in person and be like, yes, you are as great as you've ever been. Um, but that film, I think... Um, I think Green Book is just a really satisfying audience pleaser. It it hits all the marks when it comes to the humor, um, the kind of the the historical um, presence that it it refers to and kind of it kind of takes place in. Um, It's it doesn't hit you over the head with the kind of um, with the with the stories and the sort of lessons it's trying to share with you, but it does do enough that you take away some new things about this period of time in the United States. So kind of the Jim Crow era that you, you might not have like necessarily seen in other films or have kind of um, been able to take away from, you know, big blockbuster sort of mainstream movies um, that you have before. I, I really kind of appreciated the lens that the film takes with certain characterizations and like kind of the dynamics going on there. Uh, Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali are dynamite together. Like they just have such strong chemistry and this entire movie kind of falls on both of them and their ability to, to look out for one another as characters to kind of navigate their kind of different personalities. Um, and it's just, yeah, it just kind of hits the mark. It's just that I think it's, it was that one movie that, you know, in, in kind of a, a pool of dramatic films, just like it was a nice change of pace for a lot of people. And the reaction to the movie was so palpable out like during the premiere, like lots of laughter, lots of audience participation and excitement and, you know, applause where necessary, a couple of gasps, a lot of laughing. Um, and when it came time for the cast and the director to come out, there was a standing ovation that lasted into the credits, um, as the credits were rolling. So, you know, that if, if people are willing to stand up for more than 20 seconds, that there is something here that's really kind of connecting with audiences, Um, and I did get to see it again as the people's choice winner. And I'm happy to say that it does hold up outside of that kind of glitzy bubble that I saw it in the first time. Um, it, it sits well with, with the public audience. It's the, the notes still hold throughout. And I, you know, I don't think people thought of green book as something to pay attention to. Like you didn't really hear a lot about it leading up to the festival and even in the first couple days prior to its premiere. But I think as soon as that premiere hit, then it kind of just ran away. So it's, uh, it's really exciting. I wasn't too surprised to hear that it won because (laughs) I watched the trailer and despite it being a racially charged movie, 
there is definitely a, a lightness to it. Now that said, mm-hmm. I was worried because it was directed by Peter Farrelly, who is most well known for directing Dumb and Dumber, Me, Myself, and Irene, Shallow Hal, uh, movies like that. So I had some real trepidation being thinking about how is he going to take his, you know, very slapsticky past and make a, you know, a very socially conscious film. How do you think he handled it? He did a really great job. I I think that's like a lot of people never anticipated that Peter Farrelly could do something like this. Um, But he, he balanced it incredibly well and he, he managed to kind of get, these really endearing performances out of his two leads and the supporting cast too. I don't, I don't want to say that because there, there were some really, some really nice bits along the way. Uh, Linda Cardellini's in the film. She plays Vigo Mortensen's wife and Peter fairly reiterated at the festival. He was like in, although she's not on the screen a lot, um, she is kind of the heart of the film is what he kept saying. And, and you kind of see that in relation to Vigo's character. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Cause like, I think we're just so used to this, like extreme humor from his films and that humor does translate into green book, but it's not like slapstick, you know, like it, there is a little more wittiness to it. Um, there's definitely a lot of like good characterization in there. And I think in treatment of some of the, some of the things he was trying to shed light upon, um, he did a really great job. I was very surprised um, and really enjoyed the film. Definitely. I, I wonder if he'll have a bit of a, a turn in the way his perception is much like Adam McKay had after coming out with the big short, because he was most known for doing Will Ferrell comedies. And then big short was, you know, a very stunning movie that, that I loved mm-hmm. and, and now looks to be someone that, can handle either drama or comedy going forward. Yeah, for sure. That honestly, that was the the comparison I heard consistently throughout the festival afterwards. Like for in terms of his kind of next steps as a director. So, I'm I'm interested to see where Green Book kind of goes next and where Peter goes along with it. Now, I know in past years you, you usually haven't voted for the People's Choice. Was that the same this year? You didn't vote. <laughs> I did not vote. I did not. No, I'm bad. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. I keep my movie stubs too. And I know you, that's how you vote, right? With your stubs. So this year they've changed it completely. It's totally online. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really have an excuse in that regard. I just, I just didn't do it. Um, but the, there was a little bit of kind of controversy, I guess, or like some whispers going around on the internet about the online system because, um, some people, you know, and there's, I, I wouldn't say it was a, a very prominent kind of covered thing, but some people were saying that Lady Gaga fans were overcrowding the online system in hopes of trying to get a star as born as the people's choice. And I'm not going to lie. I was very surprised when Green Book was announced because a star is born had such a strong positive reaction at the festival. They added another public screening to the film. The press screening was insane. Like I saw all these pictures from journalists that I follow and the, the lineups to get into that screening were huge. Cause I guess the film premiered at Venice, which has a much smaller capacity. Mm-hmm. And so everybody wanted to see that movie at TIFF. Um, 
And then, you know, Gaga fans being Gaga fans, you kind of anticipated that would have been the pick, but, um, you know, that it didn't, it didn't happen that way. And some people, uh, have some conspiracy theories about why that is and whether, you know, whether there was some, some issues in the system or, if you know, there was some, some controlling, I don't know, but, uh, that was definitely something that people were, were kind of considering. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely maybe see that was a vocal minority that was trying to accomplish that. Because if you don't have, you, you need like a code to enter still, right? Yeah, I think you need the barcode on your ticket stub. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I could see where maybe there might have been an attempt to do that. But like, I am not surprised at all that Green Book won based on the description and seeing the trailer. It's a big budget movie, relatively speaking, with a well-liked cast with some light humor. Normally, TIFF doesn't award super downer movies, even if they may be more technically better. It usually fares more on the slightly lighter scale of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's a good crowd pleaser. I think the, the, the closest film that I can think of at TIFF where I've experienced something like that before is The Imitation Game from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of like, you know, it's definitely a serious film. There's social commentary in there, but it's just well-paced, a solid cast and humorous when, you know, when it allows it. And it's it, it kind of that experience, um, the experience of Green Book kind of reminded me of the experience of the imitation game, just in terms of audience reaction and things like that. Interesting. Uh, so before we get to the other two ones, if you had voted, who would you have voted for? Um, so my favorite film of the festival is actually the runner up for people's choice, which is if Beale street could talk. Um, I definitely would have voted for that film. Um, I think another film, uh, that I would have voted for is actually, uh, called the weekend, which is a comedy by a director, Stella McGee, um, who is actually Torontonian by origin. And, uh, she, she created this really awesome comedy film starring Sashir Zamata, who's from, uh, Saturday night live. She left last season and, um, I just, it's just so funny, this movie. It's so, so funny. It's, it's really beautifully done. Um, great, like kind of landscapes that they used in the film and sort of the settings. Um, and it's just like this nice, like comedy that I don't think we've really, um, we haven't seen with like a full black cast and it's awesome. And I'm surprised it hasn't picked up, hasn't been picked up for distribution yet. Excuse me. Uh, but I would say that's probably the other film I would have voted for because I really it was just it was so good. It was a very well done comedy. But right. if Beale Street could talk definitely stole my heart. <laughs> All right. Well, you're great at segues. So I think you should take over hosting uh, the <laughs> runners up for the People's Choice Award. Uh, was was it a tie or do they normally do two films as the runner ups? They usually do two films. Okay, so the two runners-up were If Beale Street Could Talk, which you had mentioned by Barry Jenkins, and Roma by Alfonso Caron, the movie that you forgot that you had seen. (laughs) So you talked about If Beale Street Could Talk being one of your favorites. So tell me, why was it one of your favorites? So um, I guess I never really understood what it meant to translate love into cinema until I saw this movie, like it, the, the feeling of love stretches so deeply into every element of if Beale street could talk, despite the fact that it does tackle a pretty, 
you know, heavy subject, which is extremely relevant to today's social climate. Um, but everything in that film from the performances, which are just so, so, so beautiful from, from the two leads, Kiki Lane and Stephen James, like they're both young actors and they hit it so well. And this is just the beginning for those two, to, um, Regina King's performance, which is kind of the buzzy performance out of that film, hundred percent. This woman is going to win the Oscar. Um, she's going to do it. There is the aesthetic of the film alone is just like, it's warm. Like it's a warm, like yellow, greens, blues, like just so, so sorry, not blues, but like reds, like these, like just these really like warm colors. And that kind of translates across the whole film. Um, the score is incredibly like, there's such beautiful depth to it. Um, and then the, the, the story, the story just preaches love so, so deeply. And I think for me, it was like, it was that feeling throughout the film. Like I never, I never exited that bubble, um, when I was watching it. Um, and it was a very like kind of physical feeling. Like I, I just felt it while I was watching the film. Um, the other, I, I guess for me too, like I'm a huge fan of Barry Jenkins, not just of his work, but as like, as an individual, I just think he's, he's so great. He's such an intelligent and vulnerable director, which we don't see all the time. And he's very much willing to kind of, to talk about his personal experiences and to talk about, you know, his filmmaking in depth and like go there well, you know, when asked about it. And I really appreciate that. And I think for him as a creator, this is just another step in his evolution. It's beautifully done film, really strong script, which he co-wrote. Um, and he again, managed to kind of layer, layer the film in a really like a really beautiful way, the same way that he, he did with Moonlight. Not the same kind of construction as Moonlight, which had the kind of three segments, but um, definitely, you know, was able to get these really great performances out of his, out of his cast and just kind of help them speak for themselves uh, while using the other elements of the film to, to kind of enhance that. Um, it's just so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. It's interesting that you're talking about the color palette of the film, because I think that was something that Moonlight did really well. That was kind of the bit of the, the hook to, to get people to be really invested into, to recognizing what a beautiful film it was, because it really was able to capture the emotions of everything. And is this is something that you feel that he's continuing as sort of his trademark now? Yeah, definitely. And uh, Barry Jenkins was at the screening that I went to, which I was, I was so fangirling over. <laughs> and uh, one of the I, I actually like kept putting my hand up and was like trying to like, get, you know, get the um, get the programmer to like pick me. And I think Barry Jenkins actually looked in my direction. So I had a moment, but somebody <laughs> else ended up asking the exact same question, which was great. Um, and he kind of he kind of did speak about, you know, he, he kind of he was like, Moonlight is loosely a film about the family that I had. And he's like, uh, if Beale Street Could Talk is loosely uh, a film, sorry, uh, is loosely a film about the family that I wish I had. Hmm. And so he, he kind of used the color palette to kind of to to shade and sort of show what those two scenarios look like to him. Um 
and he felt like the warmth kind of was was something that he really wanted to drive home in this film. He wanted to show this really grounded family that is bound together and that love binds them so strongly. And he wanted that to translate into the different elements of the film. And it absolutely does. Really interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one I'm super excited for. Uh, and it obviously will be a big player in the awards season based on how well Moonlight did for, for Jenkins last time around. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. And then the last one that won People's Choice was Roma by Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, if you want to talk a bit about that one, too. Yeah, sure. So apparently this is my forgotten film, but um, don't uh, don't take that uh, as too much of a representation of the film itself. So Roma is a it's actually going to be distributed on Netflix. And while I'm excited about sort of the accessibility of the film, I really think that this is the kind of movie that you, if you can, should try and see on a big screen. Um, there's just a lot of kind of technical, technical work done in this movie, which I think will be better appreciated on, on a, on a big theater screen rather than your laptop or your iPad or for some people on their iPhone. Um, I think Alfonso, the thing that kind of struck me the most about it is like his, his ability to use foreground background to, um, to kind of tell, tell different parts of the story at the same time. Um, as a story for the story as a whole, I, it was fine. I would say like, it's not for me, it wasn't the kind of groundbreaking, Oh my gosh, this is the best film of the year kind of, kind of scenario. But what I did appreciate as the story gradually, and I I do mean this gradually, it's quite, I think it hits around two and a half hours, this movie. Um, Uh, I did appreciate, you know, kind of the direction that it heads in and ultimately has a very strong commentary about the strength and resilience of women. Um, The lead in the film is an unknown actress. Um, I'll have to pull up her name. Unfortunately, don't recall it at this time. But she was, um, you know, she's it's her first film. She's a, she's a brand new actress and she did a really, really great job in the movie. I think she kind of handles a lot of different scenarios that are thrown at her as a character really, really well. And she, she is the the person that you have to connect to while watching. She is our lead. She is the character that you follow the most. And, um, she goes through a pretty, um, pretty hefty emotional journey as the film progresses. Um, and then I think the other thing about the movie that kind of struck me is that it's just about, middle-class life, um, in, in the seventies. And it's, uh, you know, it's about a a Mexican family and it's a story that I don't think we, you know, for global audiences or even North American audiences that maybe we don't see again as often, or we, we don't see this perspective, um, as much. And it was, it was, it was well done in that regard. I think, you know, the whole kind of black and white is, it's, it's really beautiful. But it's not for me. It wasn't like I didn't walk out of that film being like, oh, my gosh, this is a mind blowing masterpiece. I I just felt like this was a good film that I'm glad I got to see on the big screen. Really interesting. Yeah, that's one I'm really curious about because there's so little plot description available for that movie as of now. Yeah, it's there. I don't want to spoil it too, too much, but it, it there isn't a lot to describe, <laughs> um, even though it is a two and a half hour film, but there, it, it really is just about this family and this lead character who is played by a, uh, young woman named Yalitza, a, 
Pariccio, I think that's how you pronounce her last name. Um, uh, and she, she does, she does a really great job for her first film. It's really awesome. Interesting. That's great. Uh, all right. So now I want to segue a bit, as I was talking about earlier, uh, how the TIFF films are usually the, the big precursor to who's going to be nominated at awards, especially the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that you've seen them, I can really only go off of what I'm reading and, and hearing from people like you, mm-hmm. um, who we think are going to be the big nominees. Do you think Green Book has sort of secured itself as a best picture, best director, possibly actor and supporting actor nominations? Yeah, um, I. I think director will have to see um, because although Peter Fairley did a really, really great job with the movie, um, I don't know if I don't, I'm not sure if he, if he will have the exact same journey as Peter McKay, right? Well, that'll be something to watch for sure. Um, cause I think there is a lot of really great directorial work, um, that's come out of the festival and, we have yet to see as well. There are a few films that have, haven't come out yet um, and haven't even made, uh, they didn't make the festival circuit or are just about to um, for a few other festivals. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that kind of goes down. I think in terms of best picture, hundred percent, we're going to see green book in there. It's just too much of a crowd pleaser for it to not be. Um, and it had such a strong start at TIFF and that usually is a great sign for films during award season. When it comes to the acting categories, absolutely. I think we're going to see Mahershala and or Vigo get thrown into those conversations, maybe secure some nominations along the way. I'm just going to be curious as to how they're going to position um, which actor for what category, because they're both very much on par with one another. I can't say that like Vigo is more of a lead than Mahershala. They're both, you know, pretty much an equal standing in the film. Um, so that's always kind of an interesting kind of political side to award season that we see play out. Now it's, we've definitely seen this before where you have two leads, especially of the same gender where the studio doesn't want to hurt their chances. So right away they start positioning one as the supporting. Do you think, because maybe the story is more based around, uh, Ali's experience as a black man in the South, he will be posited as the lead and because Mortensen is there to kind of support him in basically what his role in the movie is. Do you think because of that, they'll push Mortensen as the supporting actor or do you think they might see which one is getting more traction and sort of just go that way and put all their eggs behind one of them for best actor? Yeah, I think they'll... I feel like that's the route they'll probably end up taking. And I think that's a very difficult call to make because for me, like what I got out of the film was like for both of them, they felt very on par to me. But if you, you know, now I'm thinking about how the story is constructed. It kind of, the lead in is with Viggo Mortensen's character. So some people might say, okay, maybe he should be treated as the lead, but because their performances are right, right on par with one another, um, I feel like they probably will slot Mahershali as the lead actor kind of contender and Vigo as the supporting. Um, I think also because of, I don't, I don't recall if Vigo Mortensen's ever been nominated or if, if he has ever won an Academy Award. He's been nominated twice. He was nominated okay. a couple years ago for Captain Fantastic and then earlier right. in his career for History of Violence. Right. Okay. Awesome. 
Um, so, but Mahershala Ali has won, mm-hmm. right? And he won in the supporting actor category. He's a known, like, I mean, not that Viggo Mortensen isn't known, but Mahershala Ali, I would say, is definitely on the forefront of a lot of people's minds um, these days and uh, or has been over the last couple of years. And he's a recent winner. So these are all kind of the little elements that come into play when they're kind of deciding, you know, who to position, who where. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the route that they take. Yeah. Uh, I Also, because the Oscars are so much politicking involved, Vigo, both of them are very well liked by the Academy, but Vigo doesn't really play the game that they sort of expect the nominees to do. He doesn't like mm-hmm. doing press. He doesn't, you know, advocate for himself to, to be a, a nominee or a winner. He, he doesn't really care at all. So if that's the case, I could see them maybe pushing Mahershala as the one to nominate, um, because he'd be more willing to play the game. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I mean, he did the awards circuit when he was uh, nominated for Moonlight. And um, as I told you, I went to an in-conversation with Mahershala Ali uh, because I, I love him too. And I, I really wanted to kind of to, to see a full conversation with him and see kind of what he would talk about. And he is an actor who isn't afraid to kind of reach into his past to, to, to be like very, very transparent about his life and to, um, to talk about, you know, how his influences have played out into his career. And you can kind of see the charisma and the, um, the, the ability that he has to, to, to talk and to kind of navigate conversations. And he's, He's somebody I would definitely love to have a sit down with and just chat with if I could one day, like just, just to talk about life because he's that kind of person, um, who's had a really, really interesting life, a really interesting career so far. And he's definitely not afraid to, to reach into that and, and to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, all right. So then just kind of quickly running down, who do you think we might see in different nominated spots, whether movies you saw or based on buzz you had heard from other people or, or seeing the reactions after those movies came out? Yeah, for sure. I think the two buzziest films at the festival were definitely A Star is Born and First Man, neither of which I ended up seeing. Um Partially because I really did think one of them would end up winning people's choice and partially because first man, I tried rushing twice and it just wasn't meant to be. Um, and also they're coming out in the next two weeks. So I think, um, from what I've heard about a star is born, Bradley Cooper, it's has done a very great job at directing. A lot of people were very um, particular about his kind of technique and, you know, his approach to the film and to the story, which has been done three times prior to this. Um, but I've, I've been hearing really good things about that. And as well as his performance, he is one of the leads in the film. So I wouldn't be surprised if they, if if, if he rather, (laughs) if he hits both categories during the festival or during the, the award season and Lady Gaga, of course, nobody like everyone was talking about her performance in this movie. Like I ha I have not heard one negative thing, um, or one, one response to the, to the film and her performance where it was like, yeah, she was fine. Or yeah, she was okay. She was good. She did it. Like, you know, it, it worked out. No, everybody that I spoke to had seen the film really, really wanted, like they were really emphasizing her strength in the movie. So hundred percent that movie is in the conversation it's uh and we're gonna see a lot of nominations i think um and not to forget the music element as well i'm sure best song category is definitely lying in their favor interesting 
Um, so any other ones that you would seen that you think are, are going to maybe get some traction? Yeah. Um, uh, like I mentioned before, I could see widows kind of entering that conversation. If Beale street could talk is going to be in there for sure. Green book, um, all the films that we kind of spoke about, but I, I do think one film that a lot of people are gonna, um, and my personal experience was a little bit different, but I know a lot of people really enjoyed. Can you ever forgive me? Starring Melissa McCarthy. Um, and I saw it and I didn't love it. I, I didn't hate it either. It was just for me, it was a fine Sunday afternoon film, which I, I saw, you know, in the middle of the day on a Sunday. Um, she, she does put forth a really great performance in this movie. Um, and it, it's a nice change of pace, um, compared to some of her more recent comedies that we've seen. So I did appreciate that. Um, but I just don't think that movie hit me again. Like I didn't connect with it the same way other people might have. And there's a brilliance in there that a lot of people are talking about that, I just, I, I can't connect with or I didn't see myself. Um, but I do think that's something that a film that we are going to see kind of come up in the conversation, especially when it comes to supporting actors. So Richard E. Grant, um, plays, um, um, Melissa McCarthy's friend in the film. And he does, he is extremely dynamic and entertaining. I, I will give him that for sure. So I, I, I could see him kind of getting thrown into that conversation over the course of award season. And, uh, um, you know, there's little things along the way, like there's a movie called skin that I saw, um, starring Jamie bell and I don't know when it's getting distributed. So it might not be in time for this year's festival. Um, but Jamie bell basically plays, um, a white supremacist who is a part of this, um, part of this family gang. And he ends up kind of seeking to transform his life and to exit, um, that whole world and that whole realm of thinking and try to kind of normalize himself and, you know, in a different way. And, um, he gives a really tremendous performance in that movie. The subject matter was, it was hard for me to watch for sure. And there is a lot, um, a lot to take away from that story because it is a perspective that we don't tend to see as often. Um, so I, if that ends up getting distributed in the next few months, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point that might enter the conversation. Really cool. All right. Uh, I think that was a great wrap up. We've got so much to look forward to how this is all going to play out. Most of this mm -hmm. we won't really know for several months. Uh, and hopefully we, we get to see the light of day of a lot of those uh, smaller moves that you were talking about early on that they, mm -hmm. they do make their way to Toronto and the rest of North America for everyone to see. Yeah, absolutely. You just, you never know what gems are going to come out of the festival. I was fortunate enough to see quite a few. And, um, I, I think that's the exciting part about the film festival is that yes, you get to see all the glitz, the glamour, some really big films, like make their mark and kind of kick off their journey, um, both on a big scale, but also on the little scale. And there are a few movies that I did see that have been picked up for distribution. I can't wait for more audiences to, um, to get to see them as well. Excellent. Uh, well, music from this week's episode comes from Neon Beings and his EP Fudge You. Make sure you check out the show notes for links where you can purchase his music and all other information. And you can learn more about him at facebook.com slash neon beings. And something new I'll be asking is for people to rate and review ContraZoom on Podchaser. It's a site that aims to be the IMDb of podcasts. If you could rate it five stars and possibly leave a short review, it'll help grow the show. And of course, as always, iTunes reviews will always help more people find it. Uh, thank you so much, Mahek, for joining me this week. Uh, where can everyone find you? 
You can find me on social media at what the heck. If you're at TIFF, let me know what you liked. I, I would love to hear that. Great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much for having me. You know, I always love talking about films and again, getting to decompress and actually understand what I saw. So I appreciate that opportunity. <laughs> Excellent. I feel the same way talking about movies too. Sometimes you just need to get it out there. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I look forward to having you back once Oscar season is underway and we can uh, get some reactions for you of movies that you had seen three months before everyone else. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to that. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks.